Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right, I have a question for you, Lise. When you think of pleasure, what comes to mind? Okay, I think I think about having fun. Yes. I think about being with some of my favorite people in the world. Like me, drinking pumpkin spice coffee. Yeah, that was my second thought. <laughs> and then, um, yes, creating the ambiance and everything. But you know what? As I think about that, if you, if you think deeper about the word pleasure, I think a lot of people think, um, I can't really love God and have pleasure because the two don't go together. God doesn't want... Pleasure. You so know, he's kind of really anti-pleasure sometimes. What you're thinking is hot sex, hot, hot sex, hot sex. Why don't you not talk and I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we get too far into our pleasurable show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty White and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> okay, I got to tell you, I am really, really excited about today's show because I have the, um, gosh, the the uh, the honor of introducing my favorite author. How many times do you get to say that? I get to I introduce know. my favorite author of all time, and I want to introduce. His name is Jeremy Jernigan. He happens to share my same last name. Isn't that a coincidence? <laughs> well, Jeremy is the executive pastor of Creative Arts and Student Ministry at Central Christian Church in Arizona. He is also the author of the blog Tomorrow'sReflection.com, and just released his newest book called Redeeming Pleasure, How the Pursuit of Pleasure Mirrors Our Hunger for God, and that's by Worthy Publishing. And I have a copy sitting right here, and I, um, I've been reading this. You know, I know as a mom I should have already read this, but yeah, I've been traveling. Exactly. And I've been hearing all about it um, for several years, and we're going to go into that. Okay, so like I said, Jeremy happens to be my son, and that's why he's my favorite author. But I have been— Okay, wait. I have, I have to interrupt you. Well, maybe not. Maybe you were going to say something about it. But what I think is so amazing is because— Pretty much, unless you've lived in a cave for a while, you have heard of version, and you can actually get um, portions of the book as well as, well, we'll, we'll get into that with what, what's going on with version because I'm excited about that. Well, there's a three-week reading plan that goes along with the book that is on version right now that you can download, and so... That's amazing, and that's so you can kind of get an idea of the thing. Well, you know, this topic of pleasure offers many interpretations and also and often presents a struggle within today's culture. And craving it, seeking it, and understanding its intent from God is the focus of the new book, Redeeming Pleasure, by Jeremy Jernigan. And Jeremy, in this book, he tackles the issues of pleasure from a positive perspective, which focuses on... Um, on the wisdom of a subject often misunderstood and negatively 
represented, do you like how I'm talking today? <laughs> Through misdirected theological assumptions. Okay, so using humor, which we're big on, right? And real world examples, he shows how the hunger for pleasure is legitimate and a gift from God. And I'm really excited about that because as I'm reading that, you really are making me think about a lot of things. And it's kind of assumptions I think that we kind of just, mm -hmm. we take on and we don't ever question. And yet you're kind of rattling a little bit in a good way and making us think differently and deeply. So I appreciate that. So Jeremy, welcome to our show. Well, thank you, ladies. Great to be here. Okay, we're going to kind of dive in because this whole thing, tell us, um, I know a little bit and I know I should know more, but um, this whole idea I know started not just like a year ago, but this, this topic has been kind of brewing in you since I knew you way back when. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we're almost going on a, a two decades of this idea. I remember being in high school and watching people make a choice uh, between either God or pleasure. And so they'd either go, hey, I'm going to follow God and I have to leave anything pleasurable behind. And so I'm going to be a boring Christian. Mm -hmm. Or they go, well, I, I don't want to do that, so I'm going to go live a pleasurable life, and th that's where we get the idea of a guilty pleasure, and God must be angry, and so I have to give up on God. And I just thought, what if that wasn't the choice we had to make? What if as we pursued God, as we hungered for God, we actually experienced a deeper, more rich type of pleasure? That really is an interesting thought because I do think a lot of times we, we have – I like that guilty pleasure. We think um, God can't really be for the, the party. Because God is so anti. We see God as more what he's against instead of what he's for. Mm -hmm. And we don't see a lot of times that he's for us and for us enjoying life and the abundant life. And we do think, okay, if I really follow God, life is really going to be boring. I'm not going to have fun again because I can't do this and this and this. So that's an interesting premise. And how did that, I know, because I went back even in high school, you were kind of, you've always loved to write. And, yeah. and, and just, you've always thought deeply, you've always consumed books and, and, um, we've always, always had great conversations in our home just about different topics. But so when you, over the years, this has just been kind of resonating and you just kind of been watching things that happen in the world, things in your life that just has kept building and deepening your understanding of this. Yeah. And, and really it's, it's our view of God. Um, and, and so people think of this as like an abstract conversation, but um, two chapters in the book are about re redefining our nature uh, or a view of the nature of God. Um, you know, is God the, the dad who hosts the party for you or is God the dad that comes home early and turns all the lights off and kicks your mm -hmm. friends out? Mm -hmm. And, you know, really, whichever view of dad or of God we have as a dad uh, shapes the way we interact with them and the way we experience his creation and the way we follow him. And I think God is the dad that hosts the party and throws the party and says, hey, um, do it at my house. And I'm going to show you how to have the best party imaginable. Um, just trust me on it. And, and I think that reframes all of Christianity, all of how to follow him, not out of, oh, this boring obedience is going to be brutal, but as, wow, God wants me to experience life to the full. And if I could just trust him enough uh, to do it his way, I, I might actually experience that. And, and we start shaming ourselves if we think differently. Like you said, if, if God is the one who's turning off the lights, telling everybody to get out of the house. I know mine started back in high school as well, where Alice Cooper I loved Alice Cooper's music. And How dare you? you. I, exactly. And you kind of felt shamed if you, I remember going to a concert and not wanting to tell anybody that I went to the concert. And then. Did you break your Alice Cooper CDs at one point? Almost. I almost. But even that, do. I was shamed because I didn't do it. But mm. it was one of those things where you went to the party, you just didn't bring your CDs to throw in there. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting because then years later, he was like the poster board. He was the face for this huge, you know, Christian event that we were putting on. 
And I thought, okay, nothing has changed with Alice Cooper. He was, you know, he's always been a Christian. It's just that we've changed our perspective mm-hmm. on how we could, you know, present him. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, now I can admit that I went to the Alice Cooper concert. Well, and, and I, I tell a story in the book that's very similar to that of Metallica. When I was in high school, my dad and I got in this, this big kind of disagreement about me listening to Metallica. And he was obviously uh, concerned about that, as a lot of parents would be, a lot of Christian parents. And, uh, and so we kind of had this, this agreement where um, if I could not you know, go off the rails in, as a high schooler because of Metallica, he'd allow me to keep listening to it. And, uh, and so that was our agreement, and I, I was allowed to keep listening to it. The irony of that, and I tell this in the book, is uh, years later we had James Hetfield, the lead singer of Metallica, <laughs> who was on his own journey of faith, come to our church mm-hmm. and, and, and speak. And, uh, and, we, and my dad and I got to tell him this story. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those full circle type life moments yeah. of, you, you were the reason we got in a big disagreement, yeah. you know, and I was in high school. And here we are today telling you the story and laughing about it. And uh, it just really is crazy when you take a step back and go, okay, we tend to get so uptight as Christians. And, and yes, I think there's sin, and this is not all relativistic. But, um, but really just take a step back and go, okay, are, are we getting bothered by the right things? Mm-hmm. And I think that the answer tends to be no. Mm-hmm. We're getting bothered by just weird things. Mm-hmm. Okay, speaking of being bothered by weird things, I think – Right now, as you look at our culture and even um, our our next uh, guest on the show, just talking about Fifty Shades of Grey and getting into um, just a culture that's, you you can easily look at it and go, okay, it's centered around sex. What do you um, address in your book um, that that can kind of give us a little bit more insight on your, your views on how we see that as Christians? So there's a lot on, like I said, on God and, and on theology. And uh, um, one of the subtitles I had originally for the book was it's uh, theology for everybody. Mm-hmm. What was kind of uh, an earlier subtitle that didn't get used. Um, but but really, it's um, it's all the pleasures you would think of. It's sex. It's alcohol. It's tobacco. Um, but but it's it's areas too where we want pleasure. We don't know how to get it. It's parenting. Work, um, you know, the, the way that we interact with people around us, all of those things are, are covered in the book. Uh, but then throughout it, I'm also talking about some really uh, rich theological concepts that the Bible talks about. So redefining hell. Uh, you know, what, what does that look like? Uh, what does it look like? Is God this angry guy in the sky that's throwing lightning bolts at us if we if we have pleasure? Um, and, and so there's just so much there. And I try to do, you know, a balanced view of it biblically. Um, and, and what I try to do a lot is, is show views that people may not even know are views you can have mm-hmm. about this. And so people tend to only know the conservative uh a corporate Christian answer that everyone agrees with in America. And I, and I, a lot of areas try to go, well, here's other ways you can view it as well and still be well within what the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. shows us. And, and again, I think for a lot of people, it's really cool how much it reframes mm. God and reframes the Bible. And people are going, oh, I want to go back and reread it now because I'm seeing things I didn't see before. Hmm. Well, and you know, if that's so interesting as you're saying all this, because I do think a lot of times we don't even know why we believe a certain way about God. And a lot of times it's from our own life experience, from our family upbringing, from maybe the church, from maybe people around us. And we just kind of adopt those ideas without really questioning them. And then a lot of times it's a negative view of God Absolutely. because um, it's not that he desires pleasure for us. It's that he wants to control us and not uh, and he, he's not for us a lot of times. We wouldn't say that, but yet our, our views of him reflect that. And so I think this is such a good way because it's like, how do you, to see that God really is for us and that he really wants us to enjoy life. And that's why he created us to enjoy life with him in relationship. Um, 
I, I think that's it. We need to be challenged and kind of like, you know, turned upside down a lot of times to really start wrestling with some of these things. What do I really believe and who do I really believe God is? Do I really believe he is a good God? And a lot of people really wrestle with that. Is God really a good God? When I look around me and I see all this darkness and evil going on, and um, I don't know what to do with that because a good God wouldn't allow this to happen. And yeah. so just reframing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so many people don't choose God because of their view of him. And I will tell them, if I had your view, I wouldn't follow him right. either. Absolutely. And, and so I don't fault you for that. But instead of saying, hey, follow him like I do, we have to take a step back and go, let's talk about this view and, and explore whether or not it's real. Well, we are talking with author Jeremy Jernigan about his new book, Redeeming Pleasure. And this is such a great topic, I think, that we really do need to talk about. So, But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to finish talking about pleasure, the effects. And is God really a good God? And does, is he really for us? We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. If you're like me, you occasionally have a random thought. Okay, if you're like me, you have a lot of random thoughts. Oniro critics, professionals who interpret dreams, say random thoughts not only provide meaningful insight into ourselves, but these spontaneous ideas that pop into our heads have an influence on our judgment. And for some of us, these random thoughts provide a little extra self-entertainment. For example, when the pharmacist asks me my birthday, I always think he's going to get me a present. Call me a noodle nut and redunculus, but I'm looking forward to a better tomorrow where chickens can cross roads and not have their motives questioned. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Variatic Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show and our conversation about the impact and influence of pleasure with author of our brand new release, Redeeming Pleasure, Jeremy Jernigan. And Jeremy tackles the issue of pleasure from a positive perspective, focusing wisdom on a subject often misunderstood and negatively misrepresented through mis 
directed theological assumptions. And on that, Jeremy, you just talked about some of the chapters and how uh, in one chapter you mentioned redefining hell. And that's so intriguing to me. Can you go there a little bit on why you're saying, yeah, I'm taking hell from a different perspective of what the general public, how they see hell? Yeah, uh, and the danger of this conversation is uh, I'm quickly going to get put in the Rob Bell camp, even though I don't, I don't agree with Rob Bell. So, uh, you know, I even make a joke in the book. Anytime you take a stand on hell, yeah. uh, you, you lose a bunch of Christians because yeah. they go, oh, that's not how we view hell. And, and so what I try to do in, in, in the book well, is— I have to interrupt you because that's exactly what I thought when you said that. I thought of Rob Bell. So that is funny uh-huh. how we just are past— Assumptions Absolutely. totally come on to the, the floor. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and it's because we, we go, though, this is the only way you view hell. Yeah. And if you think of it any, any way differently than me, then, then you know, you're going there mm-hmm. uh, or something. But, uh, <laughs> but really looking at, okay, so, so let's talk about, is God a good God? Is God the source of pleasure? Um, okay, I argue yes. Well, well then, you know, is God the, the type of God that when, when people don't choose him, that he sends them into eternal punishment for all eternity? Right now, now think about this. It's it's a, it's a life sentence is what we're saying um, for eternity plus torturing as well. Mm-hmm. If any government in the world today said, "Hey, this is going to be our policy on criminals. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna give you a life sentence and we're gonna perpetually torture you while you do that." Mm-hmm. Any major world government tried to do that, there would be world outlash, yeah. global you know uh, revolution of you cannot treat people this way. It's inhumane. Yeah. But we say no. That's what God does for eternity. And, and, and he's good. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people go, that doesn't yeah. sound like a good God. Yeah. Like if, if, a, if a dictator did that today, we would say, oh, my gosh, that's horrific. Um, and, and so I, I think we've got to go, is God allowing people just to eternally suffer? Now, again, I do think there are consequences. I think um, God honors what we decide now, and he honors it for eternity. Um, but I argue a view. It's a, it's a lesser-known uh, Christian view called annihilationism. And in that view, it basically is the idea of when you die, um, eternal life is only extended to those who follow Jesus. So anyone who goes, hey, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, guess what? You get to experience life eternal with him in heaven. And everyone else ceases to exist as you ceased to exist before uh, you, you, you know, your earthly life started. And that God in his loving mercy um, uh, basically just says, hey, that, this is what I'm going to cause to happen. You, you will no longer have eternal life. Um, but again, that's very consistent with, uh, with so much of, of Scripture. A lot of, of the Bible talks about people falling asleep for eternity. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hard um, to reconcile weeping and gnashing of teeth with people falling asleep, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so I, I just argue, hey, there's other ways to view hell, not just the, uh, the eternal conscious torment, which is what it's known as, uh, this the traditional view. Um, but basically, uh, there's other ways to view it where you don't have to view this sadistic monster of a god that is, is causing people to suffer forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, soul sleeping sounds much better. Soul sleeping, absolutely. <laughs> well, and you know, it's interesting because to some people listening, this could be really radical and thinking. And I always appreciate reading different points of view mm-hmm. that are maybe different from how I was raised or maybe what I think, because it challenges us, us to think deeper about God. If you only surround yourself and only read things that affirm your beliefs, you're never going to go deeper. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think you can, because I think we really constantly have to search and assess, why do I believe this? And what do I believe? And I want my my um, my journey with God to constantly be evolving. And constantly be going deeper. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think it can be unless somebody poses a question or challenges me in my thinking. And I might come to the same conclusion. 
I came up with, but yet I'm going to be even more convicted of that and stronger in that. But I like this, how you, I mean, Jeremy, you've always like challenged me too. I love the conversations we have because um, they do challenge you to go, okay, what if, and I think sometimes we have to ask that question, what if, and just kind of play it out and see, okay, so what, through that journey of what if, I just fell more in love with God. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and I I don't say this is the only view of hell. I even say in the book, there's other ways to view it. Um, I I just have found most people don't even know that's an option. They think, you know, the eternal conscious torment is the only biblical view. And and again, I've always kind of been that contrarian of going, Hey, is this, is this really the, this is really the only way we can view this? Or is there Mm -hmm. other ways? And, and, and asking some of those deeper questions. And, and I think, you know, this is, this is my take on it. I think so much of Christianity in America today is so lifeless. Mm-hmm. It is, it is routine. It is, Hey, we've, we've, we've heard this is the way you're supposed to view it. So we all view it. And, it's, and truthfully, a lot of it's not even biblical, you know, the way we view it, it's, it's, it's way more cultural than it is biblical. And so if you start asking some of those deeper questions, um, you, you, you gain some enemies, which, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm, I'm getting those emails. Uh, but, but you also, uh, ignite people to go, Hey, why don't you actually pursue Jesus, pursue scripture, see for yourself, experience him. And, and I think he's so much better than we even can imagine him to be. And, and that, that's, that's the real tragedy of all this is, is we go, oh, yeah, God, he's good. And everyone goes, yeah, right. And we go, yeah, I know. And it's like, no, he really is. It's not, it's not just a cute thing to believe. He really is good. And he invites us into that goodness. And once again, to, to thank you for challenging us to think deeper, I can't help but think of C.S. Lewis and Screwtape Letters. Yeah. Because what you just said is exactly when you, when you start, you know, looking at Wormwood and Screwtape, that's exactly what they wanted the humans or the patients to think. It yeah, is. and I actually quote that in the book. I, I quote part of that conversation because I, I agree with Lewis that God is the designer of pleasure, and all Satan can do is distort it. Mm-hmm. And, and really, my, my premise in the book is um, by pursuing pleasure on our terms, we actually experience less of it. Mm-hmm. By pursuing pleasure on God's terms, mm-hmm. we experience more of it. And that goes back to the, the scripture idea. Yeah. God created something incredibly good. Yeah. And what does Satan do? Go, hey. You pursue it the way you want. It's Adam and Eve in the garden. Hey, just do it on your terms. Yeah. Don't trust God, you know. Mm-hmm. And and we think, oh, if I do it this way, mm-hmm. I'm going to get more pleasure. And that's what the world tells you. Do it however you want it. Whatever feels right, yeah. do it that way. And meanwhile, God's going, you're going to get less of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think he's just heartbroken. It's the heartbroken dad going, I'm offering you something so much more. Why would you, why would you swap that? And so instead of going, oh, I should feel guilt and shame, I, I try to appeal logically and go, it's a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a bad choice. If you choose any way to pursue pleasure other than God, you get less of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Well, and it goes back to, it's like, it's kind of counterintuitive because, and, and, but that's how scripture is. When he said, you know, the least shall be, you know, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. And I can misquote scripture really well. Um, but, you know, one of the things Wait, that Jesus said, yeah, son? exactly. Um, you know, it, a lot of things that Jesus said just don't make sense in our culture. And we have to go, what? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's true. I, I think a lot of the stuff is not going to make sense. We're going to have to wrestle with it. But I think that's what we need to do. We need to be wrestling with, um, you know, the Bible, digging deeper, you know, turning things over. And we need to be wrestling with how do I really see God? Mm-hmm. Because like you said, I think a lot of us just go, yeah, he's good, but we, there's not that excitement about falling in love with God and seeing that I that personal relationship and that God is so for us and he wants to give us good things. And I think most people don't see God in that light. Well, when you're saying God is for us, I love, Jeremy, you talk a little bit in, in your book about so many times, you know, with premarital sex and how 
um, our youth today, how they view that, that if, if this is going to, you know, take place and this is very pleasurable and then they have the shame of God, go through that a little bit. You explained, um, how you, uh, you know, your perspective of how God looks at that. Cause so many times as Christians, once again, we see it as, Oh, now God hates me. Yeah. Uh, again, I think God is saying, I want to show you life to the full. Trust me, mm-hmm. just trust me. Mm-hmm. And the question really is, do we trust Jesus enough to do what he says? Mm-hmm. And, and do we think he's good enough mm-hmm. that we, we would end up in a better situation? And so I, I think uh, you look at a lot of these pleasures, um, you know, and, and I think it's Craig Rochelle uh, that says, um, you know, uh, sin is fun. And if it's not, you're I not doing that. it right. Yeah. You know what I mean? That idea of, yeah, premarital sex in the moment, that's probably pretty awesome. You know what I mean? Um, but the, the, the next morning you wake up and you go, oh, you know, and then you start dealing with the consequences of that. And then you get married later and you realize why well, I have maybe a, a block here to intimacy with my spouse. And I have to work through and you start realizing, wow, that, that wasn't a really good deal. I mean, like in the moment, it seemed like it, but, um, but that's the way with all pleasures is that if you pursue them the way God did it, it, it you just experience it differently. You know, my wife and I uh, were both virgins when we got married. So I don't have to compare, you know, my sexual performance to any other guy. She's all I know and vice versa. And, and, and go, you know, I'm okay meeting that expectation with her. Like it, it just makes it easier. Now, again, um, in all these pleasures, whatever we're talking about, you know, the inevitably you get to people go, oh, but I blew it. And, and man, how bummed, uh, you know, I wish I could have heard this message a while ago. Uh, and that's why I just encourage people, no matter where you are, uh, decide today to live God and to live life uh, pursuing pleasure through God. And, and, you know, you can't go back and change the path. You can decide every choice from this point on. And, and really, if, you know, either we think God is good and he's entering us into goodness mm-hmm. or we're, we're, we think that we know better. And, uh, and I try to argue logically, we, we don't know better. Yeah, it's Philippians one twenty one to live is Christ. And yep. you just said it. And that's so true. It's like truly living is Christ. Well, Jeremy, thank you for joining our show. I, we just have a couple minutes and this has been such great conversation that I think we need to have as believers and really need to wrestle with. Do I really believe God is a good, loving, compassionate um, God the, the, of the party? So um, tell us, how can people find your book? And the U version. I'm so and excited the U version. The that U is version. really cool. Yeah, so on U version, uh, just go to the app and you can search Redeeming Pleasure. Uh, or you can just go to the new devotional plans and it just released uh, this week. So the three-week reading plan, it's totally free. It gives you a brief overview of the book. Uh, you can also go Amazon.com, iBooks, uh, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Uh, you can get Redeeming Pleasure. Uh, there's also RedeemingPleasure.com. I created a website for it that, that goes into a little bit more depth of, of what the book's about and, 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 and why. Um, but, yeah, lo- love to just extend this conversation you know, to, to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And your blog, Tomorrow's Week. Reflection.com is yep. such a great thing to follow just to keep challenging us. And, uh, and just, an, I, I love your thoughts because you always, I, I love getting your blog and just hearing the different perspectives and point of view. And you keep me current in what's going on. I try. I, try. I, I, I know. And that's a challenge with, with, you know, with, with me, but anyway, okay. Again, thank you. And we're going to have information on our website of how people can, you know, fo- contact you and get your book and, um, and learn more and hopefully have more conversation about this. If God, you, cause I think that is a conversation that needs to keep having, that needs to be extended and really that we would just fall in love more with God and not be bored in our relationship with God. You've been listening to Jeremy Jernigan, author of Redeeming Pleasure, and we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's marching the word perfume comes from the Latin perfumum, which means through smoke. Eau de Cologne comes from the name of a town in Germany where this type of perfume originated. The French say the only reason to wear perfume is to attract the opposite sex. Oh, and never ask a French woman what scent she wears, as they prefer to keep it hugger-mugger or secret. Perfumes are generally made from bits and bats of different materials that have unique scents. You know, if women are trying to attract men, why do we wear perfume that smells like flowers? I think we'd get more guys if we smelled like bacon. The best advice for applying perfume is just a dabble do. What's a word for a trifling amount? Hitherx sans kitterax. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. That was just such a fabulous um, beginning of the show, talking to, to Jeremy and um, now we have our special guest, Anita Higman, who is a CBA best-selling and award-winning author with 40 books published, several of which she co-authored. She also has been honored in the past as a Barnes & Noble Author of the Month uh, for Houston, Texas. Anita has won two awards for her contribution to literacy and has raised thousands of dollars for that cause while serving on the board of directors of Literacy Advance of Houston. And she has been married to her husband for 35 years. And her new book, she's the author of Summer's List. So welcome, Anita. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. 35 years. Oh, wow. That, that alone is such a huge accomplishment in our and our culture anymore, you hear 35 years and you're going, okay, how, we just, I have to ask you, what, what would be your number one secret to that marriage? Well, that is a very good question because you're right. Uh, marriages seem to be falling apart all over the place. I would say just expect somewhere in the long, long haul of things that you're probably going to get so mad at times or so upset or so hurt in some way that you're going to think you're falling out of love. And you know what? Maybe you do. But that's when the commitment needs to kick in. You know, we made a commitment. And so uh, before God, and that really is something amazing and not to ever be forgotten. And so I guess when you sort of fall out of love for a season, you just, you, 
you wait through that time and remember the commitment that you made and with with prayer and forgiveness and things, you will fall back in love again and you just wait for that and it does happen. So I would say that's my number one tip. Wow. I love that. You just gave us permission to, it's okay to have that season where you not, you might not just be like totally, absolutely, you know, waiting at the door for them to come in. <laughs> right. Yep. That happens. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody, if they're going to be really honest, anyone yep. can say that that doesn't happen from time to time. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I don't want to wait at the door for me to come in. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way too. <laughs> well, well, Anita, okay. Your book summer's list. Um, why don't you kind of give us an overview? Like, um, in three sentences or less, if you can do that, tell us a, a little bit about what this book is. Like. And we always like to know the story behind the story. Like where did this, you know, um, the concept of this book, how did it originate and what, your, your thinking process about that. Okay. Just in a nutshell, I would say Summer Snow, she's the heroine, and she's gotten herself into a little bit of trouble with her life and love, and, and that she just is kind of impulsive, you know. And so her grandmother wants to come to her aid. She's, uh, her grandmother, Snow, is, is very ill, and Summer Snow adores her and cannot say no to anything. So she makes this adventure list for her, uh, her grandmother does. And this adventure list, she says, yes, I'll do this for you, because she'll do anything for her grandmother. And the first thing on the list is she has to go find her childhood friend, Martin Langtree. And of course, the, the grandmother's hoping that she always knew they were perfect for each other because she could see that when they were kids. And she's hoping that they'll fall in love and that somehow through the process of this whole adventure list, she will find herself and find her love. Well, you have to be careful what you say yes to to people, huh? You never know what <laughs> what journey you may be going on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because when she after she says yes, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's quite a few times she's thinking, "Oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into?" Because it's quite an adventure list. There's some things that are funny and and fun on it and easy, like learning how to whistle and you know things like that. But then there's some really serious things on there too, things that she needs to face. And uh, so uh, hopefully the readers will find it to be fun. And now the second part of your question was. What made all this come about, this sort of idea? And uh, actually, uh, I've been told that my novels read kind of like modern fairy tales. And in fact, somebody said, I think in a review, this book reminded them of sort of Princess Bride or something. Now, it is modern day. It's just that... Um, I have always loved fairy tales, and in fact, I just recently went out to Target to buy the new Cinderella, and boy, I was upset when I first went to the other store, and I couldn't find it, and I had to hunt that thing down in Blu-ray because I thought it was so, Disney did a great job just making it a really beautiful family film, and uh, I'm sorry to make such a commercial for Disney here, but I just really want to compliment them when they do a really great job, and they did, and I love fairy tales, and a lot of women out there really do too. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my mom read me fairy tales when I was a little girl, and they just really, I don't know, they really stuck with me. And so this um, book is a little bit like sort of a modern fairy tale. and even has two evil stepbrothers, wicked stepbrothers, that cause all kinds of havoc. And so, you know, hopefully uh, readers, since they seem to like uh, fairy tales, hopefully they will be enchanted with this story. That's what I hope. Well, you are you are speaking my lingo for sure. Lisa teases me so often about me living in a land far, far away because I really, really do believe in happily ever after, and I I know that you know God allows 
certain storms to, to take place. And many times um, bad things happen to good people, but through it all, he gives us that peace that passes all understanding. And you just, it is, everything can be happily ever after. It's, it's our it's our choice to to look at things from a different perspective. So I love that. And I grew up with the whole fairy tales continuously. That would always be the first book I would ever grab. And um, it's interesting because I it seems as though in our culture, and, and Disney is doing it as well as some of the other movies, it's more into realism rather than the fantasy part of having a good happily ever after ending. Like, when yes. did that start taking place? <laughs> oh, you know, I, you know, I don't really time? know, but that is a really good observation that I hadn't really thought through. But there is some realism to this, and I really, I just really thought, you know, they had just the right mix of, of seriousness and lightheartedness and, like you said, realism. It was just, it was a perfect mix of things. But you're right, I'm glad they, they I don't know what caused them to do that. But they did move away from some of the maybe the lighter fantasy parts to add more realism. And uh, I don't know who made that decision, but I'd like to personally thank whoever did that at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so tell us, um, you, you talk about in Summer's List a little bit about the whole singleness. Um, what made you go that route? And why do you think the number of people, you know, in our culture right now, they're delaying marriage way into their 30s and, and even beyond is growing so quickly. Well, this is a, it's a good topic. Uh, you know, if there's some of that in the book and, and you see it, I hope it uh, is, you know, a comfort to, to women. And I, I do think people are delaying it, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe they should delay it a little while because, uh, you know, maybe they'll think this thing uh, through a little better because I think for a long time people were just going into marriage lightly, and it's very clear in the Bible that we are not to do that. You know, it's a very, very special and, and holy institution that, that that God designed, and it's not something that we just flippantly say, uh, you know, and it's certainly and especially not on a TV show where we just suddenly marry somebody and divorce later if we don't feel like it's going to work. I mean, this is really... It's really very serious, and so maybe it's good that people are taking a little bit longer. However, if they're taking longer simply because they want to live together and just check everything out, that's not going to work either. They might think it's working, but it's not going to. It's not, it's not God's way. And any time, uh, you know, like our pastor always says, he has a good one, and I just love this. He says, you think you're going to break God's laws, but you're going to break yourself on them, on those laws. You're, you're not going to break his laws. So, so do be careful out there. But if it's a matter of just waiting and really taking this seriously and, and, and doing some prayer and getting some good counsel perhaps through your church uh, to find out if this is a person to marry, then that is a very good thing. So waiting in that case is, is excellent. I wonder if it's um, that plethora of choices when you have so many. It's it's like going to a buffet, which I absolutely love to go to. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> you're, not gonna, you're not just going to sit there. <laughs> it's like, okay, I, I want the Mexican casserole. That's really all I want. But I'm going to have all of these other choices where y you wonder if that has something to do with waiting because you keep thinking, I'm going to hold out for the absolute, you know, there might be something better. Or if we're just not relying on the Lord to put that, that one 
right in front of you. Well, you know what? You mentioned earlier about an adventure list. I'm still pondering that because I like even the framing of that because a lot of we, we generally say bucket list. A lot, you know, here's my bucket list, but the adventure list is interesting. But I, I think sometimes people want to kind of experience their adventure list before they settle down too. Mm. And I think, cause we have so many options of things we could do. We could travel, we can, um, you know, start this or get involved with that. And I think sometimes people delay, they look like marriage settling down and then I can't do all these things. So I don't know if that plays a part in it. And our culture has said, you know, Hey, marriage is mundane marriage is, you know, you, you want to get all this out of your system before you're going to get tied down to that one rather than seeing marriage as an adventure and marriage is so exciting. Um, we've, we've kind of had a paradigm shift on what marriage looks like. Oh, wow. That was so beautifully said back and forth. I don't really have much to add to that. <laughs> I really like that. That was great. Uh, I would, if, if I make any comment at all, it would be that you know, it's all in God's good timing. I know there were times when I was changing a million diapers and my husband was traveling for business and I was just longing to go to Japan and and China and Alaska and Norway and all the places he was visiting and I, I was still at home with all the diapers and, and all of that stuff and I and I and it did bother me a little bit, but I knew that what I was doing was super important. And so in God's good timing, he knew that someday I would want to travel. And so now that we have the empty nest years, we've been traveling the world some, and I have just truly, truly enjoyed it. And so, you know, it's you just kind of have to wait on the Lord. And, and like you said, maybe people aren't wanting to do that. They want everything now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They totally do. And you, you see that. And, and, and what's interesting is people, the younger generation, they want to start life where we have just gotten to. Where I look back how yeah, we started with such humble means and like they want the house that's the same house that they grew yep. up in and they want, you know, a car. You see that the expectations are very different um, than uh, back because I've been I've been married the same length of time you have been married. And um, we, you know, we started off very humble. We didn't have much mm-hmm. and our and our honeymoon wasn't extravagant and, and our, you know, our wedding. And yet it was so beautiful. And it was so, we, we created amazing memories through all of that. And we still go back to that going, remember when, and it is, it is, there's something kind of sweet about that. So um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back talking with author Anita Higman. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. 
For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's words you never heard. Do you look like your spouse? According to a University of Michigan researcher, if you think you're starting to look like your spouse, you could be right. The study compared photos of couples in their 20s to pictures taken in their 50s and 60s and found the older they got, the more they looked alike. It's believed that couples have a tendency to mimic each other's expressions, which can produce similar laugh or frown lines around the eyes and mouth as they age, thus making them appear to look more like their spouse. It could also be that people use genoclexis when picking a mate. That's choosing on physical appearance. Maybe we want somebody that looks like us. However, also according to research, the more comfortable a couple is in their marriage, the less they look at each other. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Yes, we are back with author of Summer's List, Anita Higman, who is a CBA best-selling and award-winning author with 40 books published, several of which she has co-authored. And we just went into the commercial break talking about our youth and just those expectations, that instant, you know, microwave uh, we want everything now. It, it's we're not gonna, you know, wait on this to happen. And it's it's interesting, least because um, yesterday I was with my daughter, my sister, and I went to my daughter's dorm, and um, I I don't know how it is there in um, Texas, Anita, but um, in Arizona the colleges are set up where everything is fast food, Starbucks, Pete's coffee, um, Einstein bagels. And I thought, okay, you literally, you're in your dorm room and you walk downstairs and you have this plethora of choices and it's, I'd be in a happy place. I know. I was like, okay, you realize life isn't like this. When you get out, you don't have these dining dollars that you get all of these options. And I really do think that has a lot to do with, I wake up in the morning and I get my $4 Starbucks and then they get out of college and it's like, whoa, wait, you mean I don't get at my beck and call my, you know, my neighborhood's $4 Starbucks coffee. It's just, it is interesting to see, um, what the, the skewed perception of reality, I think. Yeah. You've made some really good points. And, but I would say in Texas, I obviously haven't been visiting all the colleges, but I would say just in general, it really depends on the college. It depends on the dorm that you end up, mm-hmm. perhaps any uh, fraternities or sororities and, and that whole circle of friends that you have and their expectations. It would be, I think there'd be a lot of variables on that really, but I think in general, you're right. Maybe young people are expecting a great deal uh, right at, at the beginning. Uh, sometimes I've, I have noticed that. And my husband and I did have very humble beginnings also. I mean, we live in a lovely house now, but it took us those decades to slowly, slowly, gradually build up to those kinds of things, to have a few nice things around and to be able to eat well and, you know, be able to afford organic food if we wanted to eat that way and that kind of thing. It took a long time to build up to this, and and I don't mind because, you know what, I appreciate it so much 
uh, you know, and, and I don't know. I wonder if they're going to miss that opportunity to, that, to have a grateful heart uh, mm-hmm. if, if they just sort of get it all handed to them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. A grateful heart. Well, getting back to your book, because we have a tendency to, to get off on all kinds We're of taking trails. taking a scenic approach. Yes. <laughs> you, you talked about just now you and your husband traveling all over, and I know Lisa and I are highly addicted to traveling as well. But um, in your book, the having that bucket list and, um, you know, just finding some of the, the ways to connect with your purpose in life, um, despite their disappointments. Talk a little bit about uh, the the bucket list in your book. And I also tell us a, a, one of the best places you've ever traveled to. So you have all kinds of questions to answer. <laughs> well, on the first one, on the bucket list, I guess one of the more interesting ones that uh, she has to go back and ask someone for forgiveness because she, as a young a girl, had done something that was very cruel. And even though the heroine is, has a heart of gold, you know, even people who have a heart of gold do sin. They do make mistakes and sometimes big ones. And so she has to go back and try to ask forgiveness. And maybe that person doesn't want to be forgiven. Maybe, I mean, you know, maybe they, they are still angry. Who knows how it will be. But, uh, you know, and then there's some other things that she has to do. I don't want to give away too much, but she really does have to, you know, kind of dig into her past and 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 face some things and and one thing that she did though that was so uh, golden hearted was that she gave up uh, part of her lifetime to watch out for her parents who were who were very ill and dying and she spent that time with them rather than going off to college and 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 her future she she wanted to give that space of time to her parents and then as it turned out she ended up not going on to college and not you know doing some of the things that maybe she dreamed of doing so her grandmother was giving her a chance to see if she had really chosen wisely with her career and she was giving her some time off so from what she was doing just to make sure she was not just falling in love with the right person but that she was following God's calling with her life as well. well and I you, think you had another question tagged on it there. What was that second question? <laughs> oh, I said, what was your number one place that you've traveled to? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. You know, I was just talking to my husband about that uh, the other day, saying how much I'd like to go back to a couple of places already that we've been. And one of them is Tuscany, of course, and, and just about anybody could figure I was going to say that. If you've ever – oh, it is just so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the air is like silk, and the – and just I don't know the terrain is lovely and peaceful and and the people are so friendly and I just loved it and then the Italian Alps of course uh, Matterhorn and all that but Whistler in Canada if you've ever been to the it's yes. not a huge city or anything but Whistler Canada is, is another one that that is truly spectacular to take that alpine hike mm-hmm. and uh, oh wow anyway there's so many beautiful places so I can I can relate to the fact you said you're kind of addicted to doing some cool travel and mm-hmm. it, it can get pretty addictive you're right. <laughs> well, and you know, it, it is so good to have, you know, as, you're, as I'm listening to you talk about, you know, your adventure list, your bucket list, it is really good to have some goals. And a lot of times we just get so caught up in um, the routine of life and the daily, the dailiness of it. And we forget to dream and um, aspire and push ourselves and, and, you know, and, and to maybe pursue something we haven't pursued. And you talked about <clears throat> excuse me on your on the bucket list was whistling or something learning and one of my things is I want to juggle I don't know why someday I want to learn to juggle but it's having to you know something in front of you that you go I want to be challenged by something and you know we Patty and I see like 
women a lot of times they've lost the challenge of life or no mm-hmm. one is putting that in front of them which in your book it seems like the grandmother is putting that in front of summer and we all need someone or something that is is challenging us and 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 appreciate what you have written about in your book because it sounds like through this amazing fairy tale you're also challenging us as readers to look a little deeper inside of ourselves really have that purpose yeah and to see who are we really where there's some things that in the past maybe need healing who do I want to be who am I becoming how do I get there and and so all these questions are just so significant that we should constantly be asking ourselves and uh, always appreciate when we can ask um, kind of look at ourselves, have that self self reflection through a fun thing like a story, mm-hmm. like a like a fairy tale. So, um, you know, what is like the message? Like when you write this book and you're telling it through a story, and you have these these characters, what is like the message as you're writing that you're like, okay, this is what I want my reader to walk away with, or hopefully challenge them in. Well. Um... I suppose that with God, all things are possible, which is true and biblical. And, um, you know, you were talking about dreaming big, having goals. We always think that we have the biggest, best for ourselves, what we choose and what we dream of. But really, God's dreams for us are so much bigger, so mm-hmm. much, you know, farther beyond anything we can imagine. And so he, he wants the absolute best for us. And that may not necessarily mean the million-dollar home in the gated community. That may not mean that, you know, but he wants the absolute best for us. We don't even fully know what that could be. So if we dream big, he's dreaming even bigger. And the world does tend to squash our dreams sometimes. So sometimes at the very beginning, be careful who you tell your dreams to, because if it's not the right person, they may just tromp on you for a little while, and then you'll just go off and go, well, maybe that wasn't really my dream after all, or maybe the God didn't really want me to do that. So kind of kind of guard that for a while while you're working on it and, and you know, on those dreams. That, that would be a tip. I think because the world does tend to be, I don't know, kind of negative, and and God has wonderful things for us, uh, lots of possibilities. Well, and and that is such a great point. You know, even ask God, what are your dreams for me? Because I think we stop dreaming, and we stop looking beyond, and we get stuck a lot of times in in just the present. You know what? What's our surrounding? What needs to be done instead of inside of ourselves? Going, God has put something inside of us, and like you said earlier, you know there there are seasons and there are time to do certain things. And I, you know, I I totally understand. You know, because there was a season when my husband was traveling, doing stuff, and I had to, you know, little kids, and it's like this is not my time to do to do that. And then um, I'm always reminding Patty of just the. The greatness of empty nest stage. And, <laughs> and, and it's like, it is, it's like, it, you know, just hang in there and just, but enjoy every, every season of life, even though when you're, you know, you're in that with the little kids, because this too shall pass, you know, and before mm-hmm. you know it, they're, you're sitting next to them doing a radio show and they're 32 years old, yeah. you know, yeah. and you, and I just think, you know, life does go by, I, they used to, you know, they used to tell us that when we were younger, you know, as you get older, life goes by so fast. You're like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. And now we're the ones saying that yeah. to people, but it's so true. And sometimes we can um, miss the moment, the significance of a moment because we're so consumed or worried or where we're going or what we're missing that we're missing the moment. 
So um, I, I would have... agree with that so much about the emptiness. I remember I broke down and cried in one of the grocery parking lots. I cried <laughs> so much as they were getting re- as I was getting ready to be an emptiness mom, and then as it was going through it and then beyond. I mean, there was just tears all the way through. But if I had known back then what I know now, I wouldn't have shed a single tear because <laughs> it has all worked out beautifully. My family is is nearby, and my daughter and I we get along so well. We're actually writing books together now, and. And so it, it has worked out so beautifully, and and if I'd have just if I'd have just trusted God, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that needs to be a book title. If I just trusted God, <laughs> well, and that is so easy to say, but that is so hard to do. I mean, it sounds so simple. If I just trusted God, but yeah. what that really means and involves. Well, we just have about a minute before we have to say goodbye. And again, we just want to say thank you for joining our show and love your enthusiasm mm-hmm. and just you, your, 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 uh, your voice just exudes so much. So tell us in, a, in just a few uh, seconds how our listeners can find more information and get a hold of this book. Well, you're welcome to try uh, all the bookstores and online, of course, purchasing it. If they don't have it in the bookstore, you can easily order it, I think, and shouldn't be a problem. And if you go to my website, anitahigman.com, and you go to the Contact Me button, I will get back with you. I always email everybody back, and so I'd love to hear from you. Well, and we just appreciate it, and, and it's fun, you know, the fairy, the whole fairy tale thing, like you said, prefacing through a story, and, and even just being challenged with having an adventure list. Yeah. I really like that, because we've heard bucket lists so much, and, um, you know, just, and, and, and it's not just, you know, um, possessing things, gaining things, it's like relationships, like, who do I need to talk to, who do I need to even encourage or affirm, mm-hmm. and that could be an adventure, mm-hmm. so, you know, mm-hmm. even reframing what adventure looks like it's that not experience. going out and, and you know hiking the tallest mountain it's you know it's maybe just going out and reaching out and loving somebody different thank you for joining our show anita and just thank you to everyone out there listening to our show we just encourage you to have a great day and uh, we'll be talking again next time have a great day thank you it was a pleasure Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.